Hi, everyone. Welcome to this final episode of the Connected Families podcast series on anxiety. We are so glad you're here. Today's podcast is about the anxiety that can come from things that we can't control, the things that happen outside our walls, things like social issues, pandemics, politics, school policies and decisions. Listen in as Jim and Lynn Jackson and staff therapist Chad Hange talk about this relevant topic. Hey friends, I'm here with Chad and Lynn to talk about anxiety and anxiety for me is kind of a lifelong thing. You both have experienced my anxiety, right? Uh, at times. Yeah, I mean, maybe. <laughs> I'm actually grateful for a couple of people in my life like you who who has come to understand and bring grace to my many anxious rants and raves. And um, not that the two of you are without blemish, but you, you are... <laughs> Okay, fair. Every once in a while. Definitely great examples to me of people who've really embodied that teaching we referenced a couple of podcasts ago from Philippians chapter 4. Put put into practice what I've seen in you, and I I am serious when I say that as it relates to anxiety especially, you two are important examples in my life, and I'm grateful for you. As I think about anxiety, I've put together a little piece that I want to read at the outset here as kind of a a framing for how do we deal with the craziness of the world that we're in right now. And there's so many things outside our home that provoke anxiety and arguments and more anxiety and more arguments and distance between people, dynamics that are opposed to the workings of the gospel. And I want to talk about how do we think and act as followers of Jesus in homes with little kids who are also anxious, and how do we help them onto a trajectory of faith and life? But I've put this writing together as a way of letting listeners into my journey a little bit, and then as a way of framing this conversation today. Anxiety. I've struggled all my life with it. My family knows it. My kids know it. But most others don't, unless I let them close. I've learned a public face that masks the inner turmoil, that knot of worry in my stomach that rarely goes away. The knot sometimes grows to aches or even pangs that have no physical diagnosis. And sleepless nights when my eyelids quiver and my body tingles with stress in the fight for rest. And the pacing. It drives my wife crazy sometimes, though in our older age she's come to peace with it. And in many ways, so have I. I've learned to do a lot of little things. I've gotten help from doctors and therapists, and perhaps most importantly, my pastors. These things all help me cope, and they help me protect others from my pervasive inner struggle, but more importantly, they help me honor Jesus in this journey. When my kids were little, when I was anxious, they'd be the first to know. They'd recognize without having words to describe it, the little twitch in my lip or the slight quiver in my voice, or even my quicker pace as I'd move about the house. Sometimes kids are more aware of our anxiety than even we are. Between parents and children is a radar that senses even the slightest anomaly, and when that radar picks up the anxiety, the anxiety spreads. These days, the coping comes harder. There seems to be more than usual reason to worry. The riots, the COVID, the politics, the tension when family gathers, because we all view what's happening in our world through different lenses, with different opinions, some of them quite strong. Relationships with some of the most important people in our lives seem at risk. It's hard to talk about things. And our kids, they're watching, and they learn from us. They learn from me, the good and even the not-so-good ways to handle our anxiety. I remember when my kids were young, and even now when they're grown, I want to help them come to know what it means to be human, 
how to wrestle with anxiety, but more so with faith, and then how to cope. And while the forces outside my home that provoke my anxiety are forceful these days, the answer is timeless. And it's that answer that Lynn and Chad and I want to spend a little bit of time talking about today as it relates to the things that are happening and how to help our kids navigate difficult days, navigate watching all of the anxiety around them in such a way that we can help them start a trajectory that's a trajectory of faith, a path of trusting God in the midst of all circumstances. And so Chad and Lynn, I'm so glad to be talking with you about this because as I said at the outset, I'm not sure there's two people I'd rather have this discussion with than you. So how are we talking about anxiety with our kids these days? We're going to narrow it to four different questions. How are we talking about anxiety in the context of COVID? How are we talking about anxiety in the context of some of the racial tensions that are happening? How are we talking about COVID and, for many, the big changes as it relates to school? It's really sort of two different questions, but we'll lump it into one. How are we talking about the anxiety relative to race? and the racial tensions around us, some closer than others, of course, to that struggle. And then what about the politics? Are we talking with our youngsters about the politics just yet? So I don't know how much of that we can cover in 20 minutes. Let's give it a whirl. And Chad and Lynn, I want to start by asking the two of you a question, because again, as I said, you're two people who seem not not impervious to, but certainly resilient in face of all of the different things that creates so much tension, strife, anxiety for us. And help listeners, parents understand your keys to navigating the new day of anxiety well. Lynn, how about you? Boy, in the last six months, I have rehearsed the serenity prayer in my head (laughs) more than probably in my whole life. You know, it just says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just, it's so biblical, and it so helps our response to the craziness around us. There's so many things we can't change that we have no power over. But there certainly are things that we can, and we're called to make a difference, but to have the wisdom to know the difference between those two things. Well, and that's such, I don't know if this is the right word or not, but such a lofty framing that really covers anxiety of all kinds. It covers life circumstances of all kinds. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was created in the context, or at least first powerfully leveraged in the context of addiction recovery, but it really does apply to so many different things. And it's a guardian perspective over all Mm -hmm. of life, really that's anchored in the work of God and the wisdom of the scriptures. Right, because Jesus promises that we will have trouble in this world, so yeah. <laughs> we, can't, we can't change it all. And trouble has come knocking, uh-huh. hasn't it? But we are called to make yeah. a difference. You reference saying that prayer often, more than once a day, but I know, and so speak to this, that you've got habits that help you stay anchored. Yeah, and that's just the, the classic things of spending time with the Lord in the morning before... I just hit the day running because, yeah. and that frames my perspective on things. Lynn gets crabby with me if she if I interrupt her quiet time. I'm <laughs> I'm with somebody more important right now, Jim. Can you leave me alone? Yeah, just this morning. Oh, okay, I'll stop interrupting you. Honey. I'll stop interrupting you. She's just sitting in a chair with a notebook for goodness' <laughs> sake. What's right. going on? I'm with the Lord, and and I want to respect that, uh, you know, and I do, uh, but I also get distracted by little things. And Lynn can help me. She can help me with so many things. <laughs> Chad, how about you? You, you know, have been such an example through so many different things. 
things over the years of perspective? How do you stay anchored in light of it all? Yeah, you know, I, th- I think the starting point for me is remembering or catching myself first with my runaway thoughts and my thinking of the worst case scenario, perhaps, or this is, call it catastrophizing. <laughs> if this mm-hmm. happens and then this happens and then before you know it, we're at a place where we've worked ourselves up or I've just worked myself mm-hmm. up to to start talking in anxious ways or becoming critical that are just kind of the telltale signs for me. Yeah. But I think that we come back to scripture and, uh, you know, Second Corinthians 10, 5 tells us to take every thought captive and place it under the obedience of Christ. So if I can hmm. recognize first that I'm running away here, my thoughts are on fire and they are just running in unhelpful places. And then coming back to our beliefs and our thoughts leading to feelings and actions. It's like, okay, hold on a second. What's true? Right, we just have to get grounded back into that place of what's true. We talked about Philippians four eight, whatever's true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about those kinds of things. So that's the exercise that I need to do. Yeah. And then I remember Jesus's mm-hmm. words too of you know who's going to add a day to your life by worrying. And it's like okay, God, well, what can I do instead? And it, that comes back to anchoring myself mm-hmm. in what I know to be true. Yeah. I love that we uh, we got some contributions from parents that are in the trenches with young kids with yeah. this. And I love how one mom translated that verse, 2 Corinthians 10, 5, and made it so practical for her kids. She said, well, and Philippians 4, 8 too. She said, we've talked a lot about Philippians 4, 8 and to help train our minds to replace anxious thoughts that feel so overwhelming to replace them with God's truth. I've had our kids list as many lovely things that they can think of or ask God to help them think of as many as they can. (laughs) He created all of them, so his list will never run out. We've talked about taking thoughts captive, using hand motions to illustrate snatching that thought in your fist and then asking if that thought is obeying Jesus or if it's maybe a lie to trick us. And I just, I thought that was such an awesome Mm. way to take that pretty lofty verse and make it so practical for young kids. Well, and that's really what I want to head with this conversation, a little conversation with the two of you about your own journeys, but then how do you translate your journey? How do I translate my journey as a parent into practical things with my kids in a way that can help set them on a faith-filled, biblically-oriented perspective? And I mean, that was one great example, but let's hone in on each of these issues one at a time for just a few minutes each. COVID, it's this sickness, it's real, it spreads quickly. Masks seem to help. There's arguments about that on both sides. In fact, in the Minnesota State Legislature just the other day, one side of the aisle all wore masks and the other side wore no masks. And I'm like, (laughs) wait a minute, this is a germ. I didn't know that it was a red or a blue germ. I thought it was just a germ. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's a, it's a picture, right? Yeah. But we got input from a parent whose real life challenge with COVID is grandma can't come visit. I've got a heck of a challenge because the kids were looking forward to having grandma come visit this summer and we don't know what to do. And how do we cope with this? And the kids are mad and they're anxious and they're worried that grandma's going to die. Mm-hmm. It's raised and, a lot of questions about and death. it's raised a bunch of questions about death. And as a result, so what are some tips for helping a parent through such as that? Well, I don't think I can do any better than this mom who shared her perspective. I thought it was just amazing. For my kids, pointing to the fact that even Jesus suffered death has really helped with the anxiety. Yes, we must all die, but Jesus did too. And he doesn't call us to endure anything that he didn't endure as well. 
And mm. after death, there's something so wonderful to look forward to. No, we don't wish that day to come early, but because we have lots to do before then, when that day comes, we know we will enter mm-hmm. into the best party ever. Death isn't yeah. the end of the story. It's just one more step. Yeah, I, and I think as I hear that, I think, yeah, well, that's the right answer. That's the Sunday school answer at some level. And yet, in just even the nature of this writing, mm-hmm. is a parent who embraces the truth, the eternal truth, and makes that primary and brings that to her kids yeah. in a way that they can understand. That's mm-hmm. an amazing perspective and it is said and stated in just such a simple kind of way Mm. and i think oftentimes parents are afraid of that kind of a conversation i mean it's like what you know what ages are these kids and and i think the ages of these kids are probably early elementary or Mm -hmm. or even Mm -hmm. right at you know just entering elementary and so if we can bring some normalized conversation about the realities of life for our kids and one one parent that wrote us in response to just uh, uh, asking a few questions and give us some responses just talked about we just don't want to lie to our kids Mm -hmm. right age appropriate information of course but this is true stuff and uh, I just think that she's this mom here is just really honoring her kids ability to deal with life and to, to have to cope with that. But there's an answer that brings hope to the whole situation. Yeah, I liked how you said that is it's because if, if we can't speak to the ultimate truth of the gospel and eternity, then we're going to feel pressure to not tell kids the real truth about right. what's happening. Yeah. And this mom went on to say, God has given Nana a wonderful life and has a calling for her that's different than anyone else's. And he knows the right time to call her home. So just that perspective, (laughs) not like, oh, Nana's not going to die from COVID or Nana will be able to come visit. Mm-hmm. So that big truth perspective helps the little truths in the daily stuff. Mm-hmm. And how about related to COVID? You know, there's talk in many places now and in some places probably implemented by now. We're recording this in late summer, but by school time, you know, there's going to be schools that are back to distance learning formats. There's going to be a mix. There's going to be a match. Kids don't like this. They don't want to do this as, as we approach getting ready to go back to school without going back to school, that creates a whole lot of feelings, anxieties, worries of all kinds. How can we encourage parents to navigate this in a way that, again, builds on this trajectory of faith? Well, it's not just kids, (laughs) right? (laughs) right. I mean, it's the... It's like all of us parents are going, oh, my goodness, what happens if we have to do distance learning, crisis learning, whatever you want to call it? Yep. Again, probably a little bit more prepared for it because there's been some practice and experience with that. <laughs> we had a um, dress rehearsal last spring. <laughs> yes. And, and frankly, the schools will likely be more equipped and it would likely, I would think, be a different kind of experience. Yep. But kids are anxious about it. But the parents are also feeling mm-hmm. that anxiety, too. Mm-hmm. Sure. So both parents and kids. Is there anything to add to what we've already said really about perspective, just from a very practical standpoint about how to help our kids navigate this? Well, I think that some of the stuff we've gotten from parents kind of is in sync with this to sort it through and go, okay, what is good about whatever situation is coming up? You know, however the school legislates in your area, what's going to be good about that? Yeah. And how can we see God's good gifts within the challenges and not lose sight of that? And is there any way to even make that better? And then what is going to be a real challenge in that? And put our best creative thinking into the downsides of it from what we've learned last spring. Mm -hmm. And how can we diminish those downsides? Yeah. And I think, and we talk about this in other settings, but I think 
we tend to do this extreme thinking. Oh, mm-hmm. no, we have to do that again, and it's all bad. Yep. Right. It's the worst thing. It's terrible. We can't do it. It's horrible, putrid, and so on. And yet, we keep hearing lots and lots more people say, you know what? We discovered a new way about this or a new way about that or something that we have, are making into a, an important practice for our home that we never would have discovered another way. So, Lynn, it really builds on your thought about let's discover what's good because uh, where zero is, it's so terrible that we may as well not even continue. And where 10 is, hey, no problem. This is actually really great. You know, most parents are, are neither number. They're somewhere mm-hmm. in between. Right. And between whatever they would say their number is and zero are good things. What are they? How can we do more of them? How can we get the systematic about that? Have you, have you heard examples of that in any of your coaching or conversations with parents? I certainly did have a parent watch the patterns that her child was naturally doing in homeschooling. We actually incorporated this into a blog post of this child figured out he couldn't attend homeschooling in the Mm. middle. You mean the distance learning? The distance learning in the middle of his siblings. So he was sort of disobedient and went outside to play in the mornings. And then in the afternoons, he'd come in and he'd do his own little solo schooling. And so watching what your kids naturally gravitate towards and when they're the most successful and kind of a a success-focused question. Mm -hmm. When have you felt the best about distance learning and what did you do to help make that possible? Going from a positive perspective. Mm -hmm. How did you make it work? Yep. Yeah, great. It's one of the things that we talk about a lot just in terms of family meetings even. I mean, that's the context that Mm -hmm. I would oftentimes have these conversations, but it can be done individually as well. But we just call it mapping out, right? We would just have a whiteboard, draw two lines down, you'd have three columns. What would be good about this? What concerns would we have about this? And then the third was really what do we need to know or what information do we not quite have perhaps that might might help us not be as worried about this, mm. that might put it actually into the good column. Or we're moving into it knowing these are the things we're worried about. And yep. so let's be aware of those things. So I, and, and I think that, uh, that that's a yeah. helpful framing. And it just, again, grounds us back into reality. And it keeps us out of that sure. you know, all or nothing mm-hmm. yeah. while also giving us something to do. Oh, well, what should we do between now and the next time that we'll talk about that's this great. to help us figure out the answer here? I'm imagining sitting down with a group of young kids in my home and putting that whiteboard on and making fun with this. Hey, okay, everybody, here's what's real. Mm-hmm. I know that not all of us like it and that it could be hard and I get that, but let's let's have a conversation about what's real. And what's real is, is that we're going to still have to do a fair bit of learning from our computers at home this fall. Oh, terrible. Oh, no. No, I get it. It's hard for me too, but I think there's, and there's a lot of bad things we could talk about, but there's also maybe some good in that. So let's talk about what's good. Let's talk about what's not so good or what you might say is bad. And then let's talk about maybe questions we have, and then let's talk about what we're going to do to be Mm -hmm. the best family we can be Mm -hmm. during all of this. I mean, if every family could develop a habit of doing that once a week or so, what a great thing that would be. And it holds us as parents accountable to the conversation because we've got our expectations shattered too. Well, okay, what's bad is, is that I got to work from home and I get interrupted a lot and you kids don't always know where stuff is. And, and, but what's good about it is, is that kids are going to learn to cook meals and do laundry maybe sooner than they would have, or, you know, whatever. I don't know. (laughs) And I think also the reverse is true or the other side of that coin of parents who are maybe worried and their kids are worried about actually going back to school. Well, so, sure. You know, so now classic. you're having the same conversation. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, what would be good about it if we went back to school? Yeah. What kinds of things we'd be worried about? Yep. So I think either side of that coin is, uh, yep. is a worthy conversation through that lens. Well, and I think we can apply that map 
to all the other topics that we're about to mm-hmm. talk about. Lynn, were you going to add something? You took that breath. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just going to say, uh, I was just discussing school issues with our son back when he was in first grade. And we made something like that. We listed pros, and, you know, whether to, to, to school at home or to school in the public school. And we made this big, long list. And it was a long process I won't go into. But really, what the the value of this process is, isn't so much the decision that we arrive at, but it's giving the message to our kids, you're capable of engaging in solving this situation. You're capable of the wisdom to make good decisions. You're capable of creative problem solving. Overcoming. Overcoming. So there's all sorts of things in the midst of this challenge that if we think about the messages we're giving to our kids, and I love that one of my favorite of the four messages (laughs) is you are called and capable. You're called and capable to even figure out some of these really challenging problems, and Mm -hmm. this is going to prepare you better for life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's come back on the other side of a little break here and apply this way of thinking about these things to the issue of race and the racial tensions to the degree that that maybe has impacted some families. And then maybe we'll talk about politics just a little. (laughs) Look at the time. I think think we're almost done, honey. So we'll take a break now and we'll resume in a minute. Here at Connected Families, our mission is to equip parents to lead their family with grace. With that in mind, we have a number of free resources on our website. There's a free ebook called Help Your Child with Their Anger. There is also a number of free encouraging image downloads and even a list of 60 fun activities to do with your kids. If you are interested in free resources to help you with your parenting, check out our website at connectedfamilies.org. Click on the resources tab and then click on free. We've been talking about anxiety relative to the current stuff happening in our world today. We touched a little bit on COVID. We touched a little bit on school and school implications. And now it's time to dive into one that in Minneapolis has particularly been charged as an issue for mm-hmm. all of us. But I think all around the country, the racial tensions, the wake-up calls that so many of us are getting, and the things our kids are seeing, hearing, experiencing outside our homes, even as they're watching things on, on their computer screens, or some kids now start to be back with other kids in parks, you know, particularly the older the kids get, the more they're hearing about this, the more they're becoming conscious, the more it's creating, you know, tensions and anxieties for kids of all kinds that they they present to us. And then and then it kind of provokes maybe some of our anxieties and our opinions and our viewpoints and, you know, all these things. Yeah. Chad, we were talking before we started recording about even your grown daughters mm-hmm. and some of the issues that they've been wrestling with. And I think it might be good to start there just as a way of sort of talking about or showing an example of how you have dealt with some of these issues in your own home. Yeah, well, and and frankly, I don't know that I have. I don't know that I've had to until recently where it's felt like um, I've listened more. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And even listened more to my own kids, you know, just context, my my kids are biracial and my wife is Brazilian. They're not really dark, dark skinned, but they're, they've got an olive skin to them and a, mm-hmm. a skin tone. So they have made comments just uh, about, you know, people saying, what are you? Right. And, uh, <laughs> and that, that uh, is one of those things where even for myself, uh, maybe a year or two ago, I would have just gone, 
that's no big deal. I mean, people are just asking you, you yeah. know, where are you from or whatever. But now as I look at that, even through my own kids' lens and go, hold on a second. What what are some of even my assumptions or my ways of doing things that yeah. maybe aren't as healthy or helpful or at least lack a perspective that I hadn't heard before? Yep. So there we go again is often, if not always the case, back to our own foundation. How have we wrestled with this issue? How have we thought about it? What have we taken for granted? What have we missed? How have we not listened? How could we listen better? How could we learn more? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's easy though when we're foundation building to get paralyzed there mm-hmm. and to just stay stuck and I mean I confess that you know at my age and stage and demographic of life right now I find it more difficult to jump in than I have before because it's it's required of me to have a set of thinking to do that well that I haven't grown up having very well right and so I'm working to read the books and to listen to the conversations and to be well versed on a variety of perspectives not coming from the white edge educated people that I've always listened to for my, not always, but largely for my input and done my best to listen to to people in different places of different origins with different experiences. And, you know, as a 60 year old, my eyes are getting open so wide, sometimes it hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think the older our kids are, at least the, uh, when they have access to social media, uh, there are a lot of voices in that information feeding of our kids. And memes are great for a chuckle here and there, but they're really a tough place for our kids to get in-depth context and information. And Mm -hmm. and even some conversations I've had with teenagers, it's like, it seems like you've based your thought, your philosophy, Mm -hmm. your coming to some level of of understanding of the subject based on this meme and uh, and I think that's where as parents we come in and we go okay how do we help provide context while still allow our kids to grow and learn and ask questions and mm. and for us to do a good job of listening and not just talking yeah it just all reminds me of kind of what you've addressed in the power of questions online course of just setting aside your snap judgments and really entering into listening well and responding with questions to clarify before you even think about guiding the thought process. So we're so quick to just want to run in and give our opinion without really listening well. Mm Yeah, or we listen for a, a response or two, and then then give our opinion. <laughs> we <laughs> listen. Of, we listen to to talk, well, not yeah, listen to yeah, understand. We, yeah, we listen in order to give our opinion. So I mean, I do. I don't know. I don't think you. Well, do no. That, I mean, I'm I'm very conscious of the <laughs> of the tendency to say, "So, child, what do you think about this?" And then they tell me, and then I say, "Well, let me tell you. I th- that's what I thought you thought, and let me tell you why that's wrong." <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, uh, and that doesn't help my child learn to navigate and think. You know, our kids. Lynn and my children are on either side of 30 now, but our kids, whether they're that old or younger or all the way to small, they're going to grow up in a new world. And we have an opportunity right now, as it relates especially to this issue of race, to free them, to equip them, to empower them to be more thoughtful than we were, Mm -hmm. to be more responsive than we were. And it's got to be anchored, though, for us as believers in Jesus to what the Bible teaches us about these things. And I think we've got a couple of great examples from parents who just talked about how they helped to make this a a spiritual journey. And these are parents who've responded from mixed races, you know, a variety of racial backgrounds in their homes. But what are some of the things we heard from parents? One of the ones that was really powerful was just a parent 
two parents that have called a family meeting and they asked if if the kids would want to pray every day for some of these things that are mm. so intense and and they made up a schedule for every night at bedtime to just pray on a different topic and a lot of those are these anxiety causing situations mm-hmm. of school of race the politics and so they're really they're praying together every night before bread about these yeah. issues Yeah, and I know this may be the same parent or a different one, but we got a note from a parent who said, we're really focusing on a character trait that the Bible teaches us Hmm. and being thoughtful, prayerful, and even having conversations about how are we growing in justice, in mercy, Mm -hmm. in love for neighbor? What are some ideas that we have to be responsive to what God might be inviting us to do? And there's the what to do question too, which is what, what might we, where we're at, do to, to stand in the gap that seems to be there between the races and build bridges, build bridges mm-hmm. of justice, bridges of mercy, bridges of love, bridges of understanding. What might we do as a family? How can our family be a family that builds bridges and that stands for justice? Do we need to get into some hard places to do that? Might we want to join a demonstration? Might we want to go to City Hall? Might we want to call a legislator? Might we want to make a little video that our family shares with the people in our network? I think as a white person, I know I feel compelled. And if we had young kids in the home, I think we would join together as a family and do some things to make stronger statements instead of just let stuff Go. What can we do? What can to... we do as a family to build bridges or stand in the gap or make a video or speak to the jokes that people tell? And one of our children in particular has been a model for me. And this is about, you know, learning from the next generation about just saying something when there's discomfort and putting voice to it. And in a respectful way, if, if you can, mm-hmm. but if you can't figure out what respectful looks like, do your best to give voice to it because now it's out there for us to work on, to look at, and to solve rather than just staying inside where we can't deal with it. Yeah, you know, and one parent wrote and just talking about race and, and kind of ideas about what we can do that stands out is, you know, the comment was, I, I see that you're really upset that people would say that negative thing about uh, your friend who has black skin, that your buddy David. And it's sad, she says, that sometimes people have thoughts that that don't make sense to us, but we, emphasis on we, can continue to be kind to everyone. We can continue loving David. We can continue to learn more and be better. And then she wraps up just by saying the world looks scary and yucky when you look at the big picture. So sometimes it's important for us just to pull back and just look inside our our little walls for a little bit and maybe get ourselves calmed down and and, uh, Mm -hmm. developing a plan for how we might move forward Mm -hmm. and the key there seems to be let's make a plan for how to move forward how to do better how to build bridges and when we think about anxiety too sometimes it's anxiety just rises because we're out of control we don't know what to do and so even these little emphasis of we can continue Mm -hmm. to love we can continue to be kind to everyone it starts to give a sense of Mm -hmm. empowerment again that these are things that we can do and uh, they can make a difference yeah, so I'm, I'm reflecting back again to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about these things. But as it relates to the issue of race, make my request known to God. God, be our unity. Give us strength to build the bridges of justice, of mercy, of understanding that we can build. Heal and restore. Bring our kids into this. Be a model. Mm-hmm. Uh, invite them to even 
take those verses in the Bible and apply it to this issue of race, the issue of politics, the issue of COVID, any of the above, and be active to engage the kids in that journey. You're, you're talking about being active to engage the kids, and I love that. And yet I think about the parents that go, yeah, well, I've got one that wants to talk about it and one that <laughs> right. won't have, yeah. a, you know, yeah. right. doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And mm-hmm. one mom had a, just a very interesting perspective on that. She said, one of our kids is willing to engage and talk through a bunch of anxious big feelings. The other one doesn't want to talk about it at all. But we found that if we were talking about stuff, he'll listen in from the other room and occasionally choose to engage the conversation. We can't force it. <laughs> But he knows we are talking about stuff and that big anxious feelings are okay. Mm. So this is such a great perspective on just the value of modeling. Even if your kids really don't want to enter in, you can have conversations with a spouse or if you're single with some other important person on a phone and be talking about things in a way that are thoughtful and respectful and show that you're really processing things prayerfully. If our kids see us growing Mm -hmm. and responding in new ways, they notice and it tends to lead them to their own form of growth, even Mm -hmm. if it's not engaging with us the way we'd like. Yeah. And I just want to even acknowledge, Jim, specifically, you have really dug into facts as much as you can about these tough race issues, going to police reports, going to government documents, really moving away from some of the extremist things and digging in facts. And that has been so observed and noticed by especially a couple of our more emotionally intense Yeah kids in our extended yeah, family. Yeah, I mean, our example as parents never ends. And I think our yeah, kids that's really important. continue to learn and grow as we continue to learn and grow. If we stop learning and growing, then our kids likely will yep. too. Yeah, so there's a lot more we could say, obviously. And a lot of people are saying a lot of things about this issue these days. But as it relates to talking with our kids and guiding them through anxiety about these things, hopefully those little nuggets are helpful. The last piece I want to just touch on and maybe... Do we have time, Jim? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just take 30 seconds. <laughs> we can cover it. It's just this issue of politics. And I mean, in some ways, everything we've been talking about right now is somehow politically tied. It, yeah, whether it ought to be or not. Yeah. It has yeah. got its and, talons um, in there. We wrote a piece uh, several years ago around election cycle time about the politics of our home. Like the first thought that I have about talking with our kids about the politics outside our home is to be thoughtful about what are the politics inside our home look like. Because hmm. if we're going to talk about what's going on out there and help guide our kids through what's going on, because at the end of the day, politics is about the policy. It's about the rules. It's about what are the conversations we have to set the rules and the expectations for how life is going to go around here. And where are we going to spend our money? And who's going to get the power to decide that? And we have politics in our home. And if the politics in our home aren't If we're not thoughtful about those and how we make decisions and involve our kids in the politics of our home, it's going to be hard to engage outside. One of the things that that we also noticed when we got feedback was that, you know, we got information and, and stories about how parents were dealing with COVID and schools and racial tensions, but we received zero in terms of feedback on how parents yeah, were talking nobody, to their kids about politics. Nobody talked directly about how to deal with politics in their home. Well, that may heat up in the next couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I think the Bible just calls us to to keep our words about anyone respectful. Mm-hmm. And this is such an opportunity for kids, especially if they know we have strong feelings about something and would be prone to be opinionated and really disrespectful mm-hmm. about someone's perspective. 
that we are honoring to all the people yeah. that we talk about. I think that's a super important point. And even though nobody did mention it, we know families who make a commitment to, to respect people whose politics are different. And it's a lot easier for us to teach our kids to do that if what they're seeing from us is responses about those people we disagree with staying respectful yes, mm -hmm. and staying honorable and seeking more information instead of just saying they are wrong and we are right. And if they would not be such, you know, and, and we use inflammatory language about uh, the other party and the other people. And, mm -hmm. I, and I hear people who have really good ideas on both sides of, of the political spectrum, or really it's not even two sides as far as I see it anymore. There's Because there, I've looked at lots of different perspectives in between the right and the left. The ones I'm most inclined to listen to are not the ones who I agree with the most. They're the ones who who I believe have a respect for the fact that I might yeah. have a different opinion. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I have been looking at and uh, has kind of been front and center again for me, the verses in Colossians 3.12 and following that were rooted in, in this idea of who we are. In Colossians 3.12 says, therefore, it's God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's who we are. And then it says, put these clothes on, right? The clothes of compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, mm. and patience. And then the next line is so pertinent to where we're at right now. It says, bear with each other with and forgive other. whatever grievances you might have against one another. And we've never been in a spot where we've needed to bear yep. more mm -hmm. with each other. Yep. And those garments that mm. he's telling us to put on are so important. Yes. And yes. so as we expect our kids or want our kids to model those things, we need to model it. Yep. Like what, what does it look like for compassion and kindness, humility, mm -hmm. humility, and the gentleness and the patience and bearing with each other? Yes. And I think to, to, to really implement that, we have to have that big picture perspective of God is in control because if we think that certain political figures are in control we won't be able to check our anxiety mm -hmm. and then it's going to overflow in disrespect yeah. so it goes circles back to where we started which is that big picture sense of God's purposes and presence overarching everything which is really what all of this is about it's mm -hmm. about the fact that we are invited to participate in a kingdom that is not of this earth. Mm -hmm. The kingdoms of this earth seek to replicate that kingdom in order to attract us away from the kingdom of God. But Jesus told us in the world it's going to be tough. And one of the big reasons it's going to be tough is that the world does not embrace the values of the kingdom of God very well, very often. There's a longing and a, and a deep desire in each human soul to do it. But it comes out twisted by the selfishness, by the sin, by the stake in the ground opinion about I'm right and you're wrong. And we are called to a different kingdom, aren't we? Mm -hmm. And, you know, disagreements can happen. It's okay. We can disagree yeah. with people. But how we do it says so much to our kids. Mm -hmm. It says so much to the community at large. So as we wrap up here, we invite our listeners to just think about this idea that the reign and the rule of Jesus is as present and powerful now as ever, and that we are invited to be part of this heavenly kingdom that calls us to rise above the ways of the world and to function in the clothing of love and to be steeped in the knowledge of who Jesus is, of who God is, and to believe with all our hearts that whatever trouble we encounter on the earth, 
whatever power or forces are present here, the power and the force of God's goodness, God's grace, through the death, the resurrection, and the eternal life of Jesus in all of us offers, that's the most potent and powerful way Mm. to walk and to overcome anxiety of all kinds. Jesus Mm. didn't seem to have anxiety. He had a joy set before him that put him in a position to endure the cross. Mm And I think we're invited into that way of life. And so parents, we leave you with these thoughts, hoping a nugget or two is helpful. And I would invite Lynn and Chad to each close us with just a brief prayer. Father, we are so grateful that you are in charge and that you preside over the earth. We're just the footstool, barely see the hem of your garment. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. You are so above and beyond, and that that can give us peace in the craziness of today's world, and we're grateful for that peace. I pray that you would empower parents to really lean into that truth and give them wisdom for ways to pass it on to their children. God, we thank you for putting us in this time and place. Uh, And uh, we pray that as we lean into you and uh, we seek you, that you would guide us as we seek to guide our kids. And uh, we do pray for each parent who's listening right now, that you would bless them and encourage them, that you would bring your peace to come over them. As uh, the ironic prayer uh, in Numbers says, and we'll just close with this for parents, that the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance, his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Connected Families podcast. We hope you got tips that you can use in your parenting today. Please subscribe and leave us a positive review so other families can find us and learn how to parent with peace and connection.